Hi, everyone, and welcome back to One Life, a podcast with me, Haley Letty, licensed marriage and family therapist. I am so excited as this episode, I will be joined by a special guest, Kathy Olson. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and business owner specializing in postpartum work right here in Vero Beach, Florida. Let's hear more from her now. Kathy Olson here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Haley, and thank you for the warm introduction. We are both in the marriage and family therapy world and big, big on relationships. Um, I'm sure everyone would love to hear a little bit about you, whether it's personally or professionally. So whatever you're willing to share, um, tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I was born in 1984. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we won't go back that far. Um, well, I'm like Haley, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I do have a certification um, as a recovery peer specialist, which basically um, just means that I have experience uh, with somebody close to me that's either struggled with mental health or uh, addiction-related problems. Um, so it's more of a mm-hmm. personal experience, which allows you to help in the professional setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have eight years experience working with individuals, couples, and families. Very cool. How did you get into therapy? Was it something that you knew you wanted to do right away, or was it something that it kind of came into fruition later on? I love this question, actually. Um, I went to school initially for education, um, mm-hmm. and I just realized I don't want to write lesson plans my whole life. <laughs> um, Funny that, they don't write lesson plans anymore. Yeah. But I actually just always knew I wanted to help people, and then I found the mental health track and I came alive in school. I loved it, it's my passion, and my love for it's just grown since being in practice. That's wonderful. So is there a special age range you like to work with, uh, population, something that you're more passionate about now that you've been in the field for a little while? Sometimes as therapists, you know, we kind of have to learn that along the way by experience, but what is your passion now? Absolutely, I actually thought I always wanted to work with young children. Mm Um, And through, I have experience working with young children, but through that work, I've discovered, yes, I'm really good at it, Um, but I, I, becoming a mom as well, I've discovered I like to just have fun with kids and snuggle and and, and do that type of thing with them versus um, actual therapy. But I do a lot of family sessions where I help the parents with parenting, Mm -hmm. and um, I love individual work, and I do do couples work as well, um, really fostering communication. You must see a whole bunch of stuff with families. Gotta love them, right? (laughs) Yes, but you know, like anything else, we all have our challenges with our own families. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just makes us all unique. Oh, without a doubt, our special gems. Um, Are you, yeah, I know that you're doing a training right now in the perinatal mental health. Tell me a little bit about the training and like what you've experienced so far. Oh my gosh, we don't have enough time for that. Um, This is really cool. Yeah, it's a three-part certification course. Um, I actually just completed the first part, uh, which was a 16-hour training. And it goes through, yeah, it goes through the whole um, kind of history, um, the different disorders, who they might affect, the populations, um, the, um, let's see... uh, the risk factors, there's cultural considerations. That is definitely a long training. Um, How long does it take to complete something like and that? And goals. Well, it's a three-part series. So there's the first one, which is mm-hmm. 16 hours. Mm-hmm. The second is an advanced training. 
um, and then I sit for the fantastic exam. Um, so I really look forward to it. I've learned so much in such a short period of time and have already put it to excellent use um, helping some, some individuals that are really struggling. All right. What about any surprises you found with the training so far, things that just blew your mind that maybe you weren't expecting? I mean, you're a mom, right? You've gone through some of these experiences possibly, but, you know, to see and read about those statistics or whatnot, was anything just mind-blowing? There were a few that popped out, actually. Um, you know, myself, I have two children, and, you know, I, the whole thing from, you know, wanting to have a baby, mm -hmm. you know, your expectations versus reality, having the baby, transitioning, then having another baby, you know, and adapting when you're home. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it's a, it's a, sometimes it can be hard to decipher, is this normal or is there something else going on? Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting to know is 80% of new mothers report the baby blues in the first week after a baby arrives. Wow. 80%. That's high. Yes. And why is that? Your whole life is changing. Sure. I think that's the biggest factor. Um, you know, your life is kind of not your own at that point. Um, and I, honestly, I think that's the biggest, the biggest factor. It's just a whole, yes, a yeah. whole new world. Um, and a few other import, uh, interesting facts was according to a study by Wisner in 2013, uh, this was published in the, uh, I think you call it JAMA, mm -hmm. Journal of Psychiatry. Mm -hmm. One in seven mothers experienced serious depression or anxiety during pregnancy and or postpartum. One in seven. I had very, no very idea. common. That is very common. And so, you know, how would someone know that they have, um, are they dealing with something like this? You know, especially with perinatal mental health, what are some of those risk factors we should be looking out for? If it's that common, then we need to all be aware of some of those things, right? Um, what do we need to be looking out for? And definitely, who does it affect? Well, uh, if we're looking at um, evidence-based risk factors. Okay. Um, we, we, you want to look at previous perinatal mood disorders. So have you had a child before and suffered from postpartum depression or anxiety or, or even psychosis? Um, that's an important consideration because sometimes you can have that in, in you know, future pregnancies. Mm -hmm. um, is there a history of a mood disorder? You know, oh. oh, I have a lot of people that come in and say, you know, before children I, I had depression, I had anxiety, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, getting pregnant just heightened my anxiety um, and or depression. So sometimes there's underlying things that are already going on. Maybe right. this enhances it a little bit. When right. you come home, your whole life gets right torn upside down. Your hormones are going crazy, and you're just trying to navigate through it all, it sounds like. Yeah, and that starts from, you know, whether it's just want to have a baby and you're mm -hmm. trying to get pregnant, then you get pregnant and you have the, those stressors that play a role. And then you also have to look at hormone changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, your body's kind of not your own, and it goes through so much just from... You know, again, trying to get pregnant, being pregnant, and then once you have a baby, are you breastfeeding, are you not breastfeeding, you know, uh, adapting to life with a newborn. Um, so all of these things are risk factors. Wow. And so is it men and women or just women? I mean, tell me a little bit about this, who it's affecting. Yes. So um, perinatal mood disorders can affect men as well. Wow. Um, fathers go through a whole lot too. You know, mm -hmm. not only are they dealing with us women. <laughs> Lucky them, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's a transition for them as well. So, sure. um, you know, they're trying to maybe support their partner and what they're going through and maybe their anxieties and their fears. But, you know... Guys have it too, you know, mm -hmm. they, they have their own worries. Am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be mm -hmm. able to do this? How am I going to balance work and life, you know, work life, home life? Um, so 
you know, a lot of times, just in what we what what I've read and what I've experienced, men sometimes are on the back burner, but mm -hmm. in reality, they're they can be struggling too, and mm -hmm. not necessarily talk about it, but it's important. Sure, absolutely. We I mean, we got to take care of our men, right? Just as much. We there take care go. of our babies. We take care of ourselves. We can't neglect them. Being a parent, I can imagine there's a lot of pressures about the not only expectations, but what about these anxieties and fears you mentioned about? You know, what are some of those things? As a mom, you know this, right? And having a husband too. What do you think some of those instant kind of fears and anxieties look like? Well, you know, I think it's a little different when you're con considering having a baby mm -hmm. and then getting pregnant and then having the baby. You know, there's these stages and some of those fears might kind of... Um, bounce into the next stage mm -hmm. but some of them might go away you know when you're trying to get pregnant like when is this going to happen I want to be a good mom I have to stay calm I want my body to be you know this this um area of zen you know mm -hmm. and then then you know a woman becomes pregnant and you have all these fears what do I do to keep my baby healthy let me let me eat the right things I shouldn't eat that <laughs> brownie mm -hmm. you know I can't be too stressed how do I work out how do I make time for my partner um you know, and then baby enters the world and you want to do everything possible to keep them alive, keep them happy, you know, teach them, spend enough time with them, mm -hmm. you know, and all the different things going on in your life affect those. And it's important to remember that, you know, there's a degree of worry and fear that's 100% natural, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's important for other people to understand too and here it's okay to feel this way. It's normal to feel anxious at times. It's okay to think that we're failing even sometimes, right? That the, we want to be so perfect and it's just not reality. Yes. The one thing I learned, okay, my mother will love this. Because <laughs> she was she's right. <laughs> she won't. She'll listen to it after the fact. But um, she, she would tell me that her mom guilt was always so bad when she returned to work. You know, for some mothers that have to return to work, mm -hmm. mom guilt and... I hate to say it, but she was right, and I experienced the mom guilt too. And mm -hmm. you know, you might not feel like a rock star mom. There are going to be days that are harder than others. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you know, you do the best you can. You love your children. You care for them. It's, it's all. It's common. Mm -hmm. It's natural to have you know that guilt, and mm -hmm. it's unpleasant, but it passes, and things do get better. Mm -hmm. Seeing, I think couples too. I hear this a lot. You know, one person or the other feels like. You know, I'm just never in the right place at the right time. Meaning I always feel like I should be somewhere else because of this whole idea of guilt. You know, and couples saying, I feel like when I'm home, I should be at work. If I'm at work, I should be at home. How do you navigate through that? Because I think that's, I mean, there's no real balance, right? That does just not exist in this world. They, we always talk about this idea of balance and it's so perfect and it's just going to feel right. I say screw that. I say there's just no way that we can be all balanced in every aspect of our lives. We can certainly manage it, but how do you feel like you've done with that as far as balancing it? And what do you tell your families and couples, right, about this whole idea of balance? I don't know what you're talking about. It's a walk <laughs> in the park. You have a baby, they sleep through the night, they eat, you go to work, you're well rested. No, in reality, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard, and it's important to ask for help it's important to be patient with yourself everyone's experience with it is different and it's honestly trial and error you know if you're having a rough day it's important to know that not every day is going to be rough and when you're having a great day really really relish in that because 
you know, it's like anything else in life. You have good days, you have bad days. You're going to have easy days, you're going to have hard days. And, you know, you, if you have a wonderful support system, utilize it. Ask other moms or dads, hey, you know, have you experienced this? You know, and you might want to take their advice and throw it out the window, mm -hmm. but ask the questions. If you don't have a support network, reach out to a counselor or, you know, your doctor. Let them know how you're feeling because there are so many resources out there that can help if you don't have that familial support or that social support network. Um, so that's critical, I think, in navigating the, you know, unknowns of everything related to starting a family and, and making your family thrive. Support is, I think, so important. I think that's such a great answer because if without support, without even being able to rely on at least sometimes, you know, that help, you know, the pressure just gets put on us even further. And we feel like we do have to do it all, all the time. And there's definitely this idea, especially I think in society now with women, that we have to wear this like superhero cape and just be these magical unicorns just going out throughout life, like being amazing at work and at home and dinner on the table and all this stuff. And it's just not reality. It's just not what's going to end up happening. And I know speaking a lot about couples, you know, making sure that that expectation is set early on and discussing it really helps too. Right. So then there's not this disappointment, right. Yes. From each other. Having that dialogue is so important. You know, I, I heard this quote the other day and it, it resonates strongly with me, but pretty much any parent that, or, well, mother, I will mm -hmm. be biased in this sense, because mm -hmm. um, I have, you know, a support, a, a social network of moms that have young babies, mm -hmm. and society expects you to parent like you don't have a job and work like you're not a parent. So true. And that is such, it's, it's such a difficult thing to do, and it, it honestly comes down to a balancing act. Mm -hmm. Some days your work gets a little bit more of you, and other days your, you know, your children get a little bit more of you, and it's always important to remember to give yourself a little bit of you yes, once in a while. Yeah, and I ended up reading um, the four agreements, and I always recommend it to clients because I think it's so amazing. And the last agreement, uh, the fourth one says, simply do your best. Absolutely. You know, your days are going to change from moment to moment, but if you could just do whatever you're capable of doing in that moment and do the best you can, you'll never have regrets, right? You can, you can never look back and say, oh, I wish I'd done it different because you put in everything you got. Even when you're sick, right? Even when you have the flu, right? You're still able to push through to some degree. And if you say that at least I've done my best for this day, this one day, absolutely, then you have no regrets. In that, in Every that wrinkle in that cape that you wear, <laughs> when you iron it out, it's something that you've done that has bettered your life, bettered your day. You know, I, it, it took me a while to realize that that laundry doesn't have to be folded the minute the buzzer on the dryer goes off. With that said, I've had a pile on my chair at my house for about a week. Um, it will get done. <laughs> but it's true. You know, time is, time is short and you need mm -hmm. to prioritize it to, to what's most important to you. The sure. laundry will always be there. It's not going anywhere. We no. can always get back to it. I also think, is it true that every child is different, right? So when you're parenting in general, right, every child is going to have a different temperament, a different idea of what their needs are. Um, you know, going back to even the five love languages, our kids can do this too, right? They're going to have their own love language, so to speak, that's going to speak true to them. Having a couple children, you know, there are variations. Can this also be true with the pregnancies as well, right? There's variations. So maybe one pregnancy you might find, I'm perfectly fine. The next one, oh my gosh, I'm so sad, I'm depressed, I have a lot going on. Has there been variances, right? Or is this one person going to stay that way every pregnancy? 
No, absolutely. I've met people who have said, oh, I've had, you know, my all oh, my pregnancies are fine and I gave birth mm-hmm. naturally and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, sometimes you just learn by doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, have had my own experiences with it and can tell you that from start to finish, they can be polar opposites. Wow. It doesn't mean that one is better than the next. Right. There's, you know, wonderful things about each one and ones that, you know, you wish you could forget. <laughs> um, and even children, you know, they, they have their own personalities. And, and you're right, you finding how to best communicate with your body while you're trying to get pregnant, mm-hmm. with your partner when you're pregnant, with your children and your family when you're raising your children, it's challenging. And sometimes finding um, the best way to communicate and understand each other, that changes over time. You know, absolutely. I always encourage check-ins, even you know, if they're weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly, because you need to identify the changes that are happening in the relationship. And I'm sure having a baby, right, absolutely shifts that dynamic, right? Absolutely. Now all of a sudden, the needs are different, the priorities are different, and it's a good time to kind of do a check-in. I think. One hundred percent agree with that. What sort of people would? benefit from this sort of specialized treatment right this is a specialty this is a niche for you who would be appropriate right to come and see what would be the signs you say you know what this person needs to come in this is a this is a good good direction for them for therapy absolutely well you know men and women alike Mm -hmm. um you know whether you're considering starting a family or in the throes of starting a family Mm -hmm. heck have started a family Mm -hmm. right and you're already there um you know Mothers, fathers, you know, if you have previous children, this is your first baby, you know, it's for you. Um, some components of it can even help people who are trying to adopt um, mm-hmm. because you, you go through lifestyle changes. Um, you know, there's also cultural considerations. So, oh, okay. um, you know, different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, we talked about the fathers. So there's a paternal postnatal depression like after babies come mm-hmm. home. Um, if a couple is experiencing some intimate partner violence, you know, that's a whole nother thing to consider in addition to starting a family. Um, the LBGTQIA population, um, they have their own set of, um, expectations and, um, you know, there's a stigma attached to you know, what they're going through. A lot of wonderful changes are Mm -hmm. happening in our world Mm -hmm. with more support and advocacy, but they still go through their own um, lifestyle changes with having babies as well. Um, If there's a substance abuse history, Mm -hmm. that's going to affect treatment while pregnant and, and, you know, post-delivery of baby, Um, military families, and then there's the, the families where their babies are in the NICU. And they're going through a whole yes, host of, yeah. So there's a lot to consider when we talk about populations that this could help. Wow. That's a lot that we haven't really considered, right? We just think of the women right. dealing with this issue. Moms who are pregnant. Maybe a few months into the you know adjustment phase and then boom, it should be gone. I mean, how long could this last? What should we be looking for as well as longevity stages, right, of um, the different parts of of, you know, could this be forever, right? Could this go on for, for years, months, weeks? What should we be expecting for that, right? What's the long A quick week and you're good. Oh, no. nice. So, quick and done. Let's get this over with. Like anything else, it's it's unique to the individual, sure. you know? You have to consider trauma, if there's any type of trauma history. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But one of the most interesting things I learned in the entire training was that one in seven women experience a perinatal mood disorder in the first three months after having a baby. After that, that statistic jumps to one in five for the remainder of that first year. And I thought to myself, why is that? Why would it become more, you know... Mm -hmm. um, it's not what you expect. No, more significant. But it turns out that, think about it, you know, a lot of moms are going back to work after that 12-week period. You know, the, the flood of visitors have come and gone, you know. The, the reality of sleep deprivation has kicked in. Maybe the father had been home and had gone back to work. So there's a whole yeah. host of things contributing to that. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it, right? But you definitely don't initially think that's going to be the case. Of course not. You think, you oh, think... the first couple of weeks are going to be the worst possible two weeks. That's not the case. You're almost in a honeymoon stage, right? It's like a little honeymoon period because maybe yes. your partner's still at home, right? No one's really around. It's not too overwhelming yet. You know, you kind of have some time off from work where you can really focus. And if It it's... doesn't really feel like work just yet. <laughs> and then honeymoon phase is over, right? <laughs> and reality sets in. Ouch. And that can be, that can be very difficult for, for many people. Mm -hmm. How do you see it affecting relationships right and maybe even intimacy because I can imagine after something like this not only are you dealing with your body changes hormones and all of that but now you might even have some depression involved how does that affect relationships and intimacy right do we see that there are definitely some things to kind of look out for too to absolutely sure I mean you have your you have your hormone changes you know you when you're you know, walking around, I'm sorry, waddling around for some, you know, uh, about ready to pop. You know, the last thing you're, you might think about is being intimate. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't feel at your best. You, you, you can hardly breathe. You mm -hmm. can hardly walk. You can't probably don't want to be. You probably don't want to be touched. Like, please, honey, don't touch me. Pretty much. Um, you know, so there's that component. Other women don't experience that. They might be, you know, hypersexual mm -hmm. or, um, you know, very, very into those those last few weeks or months where they have their partner all to themselves. Um, and that can be a change, but mm -hmm. for, for many, you know, that might decrease. And then once you have your baby, you know, first of all, you have the actual physical recovery mm -hmm. and there's limitations on that medically. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to be careful of that. And then you're just exhausted. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that component, the dads, the moms alike, there's just total exhaustion. So one might just not be in the mood. It's, it's an adjustment period. Mm -hmm. And I think for many, when they're going through that, they might feel like, well, the, my relationship, I, I thought this was going to bring us together and it's in fact tearing us apart. Are we over? Are we done? You have the hormone surges. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, your, your brain is going a mile a minute. Um, and that lack of sleep can make a huge, huge impact mm -hmm. on that. Um, but it is important to remember that it is an adjustment period and that period is different for everybody, mm -hmm. you know, but there's, you know, there's a difference between the baby blues and, mm -hmm. you know, something more. Mm -hmm. um, and there are risk factors to that. The baby blues typically last, I believe it's the first couple of weeks okay. after a baby's born. Mm -hmm. um, but if it continues on, you, you find yourself, you can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. You're not eating. You're, you're not socializing. You know, you're, you're really taking a, a turn from your, your usual self. It's important to just ask for help, mm -hmm. you know, seek out some guidance. Um, uh, a lot of pediatricians now are implementing, at least in the state of Florida, um, these check-ins. There's a little 
um, questionnaire when a mom brings her baby and you know you bring them in at a, when they're a week old mm -hmm. and then a month and two months and four months and six months up to the six month mark um, most pediatricians now are giving this little screening to assess for depression that's so good to hear my push is going to be for them to do it for that first year just because of that statistic yeah. jump to I mean, one in five. If what you're saying is true, right? That's scary that it's actually, it's, it's not over yet, right? We're not out of the gate yet. Right. We have a whole nother six months to evaluate to see what's going on here. And you're right. If people are not asking after that six-month mark or three-month mark, forget it. They're going to miss the mark and then things are only going to get worse. And right. it could be more an intense situation. Is there a population that is not beneficial for this specialty and they actually need further treatment, right? Maybe they're not a good fit for this. This is They need a higher quality of care. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's several types of perinatal mood disorders. You have your depression, your anxiety, some panic, a PTSD, mm -hmm. um, some obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar, but postpartum psychosis mm -hmm. is a very severe, severe case. Um, of a mental health disorder. Um, and with that, I mean, you've seen in the news where, you know, moms may have driven their car off the road mm -hmm. or crashed and, you know, killed their small children. Very, very tragic, tragic things that have happened. That is a, that's postpartum psychosis. Mm -hmm. And that requires a higher level of care. Oftentimes, most of the time, um, treatment in an inpatient facility, medication, intense therapy to get them through. A lot of times there's that, that those mental health disorders in the background that were there before having a baby and, and there's just some major exacerbation, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's really something to where you wouldn't want to just start with outpatient talk therapy. Mm -hmm. okay. um, you know, and just that one more statistic on that, mm -hmm. which really sheds light, suicide is one of the three leading causes of maternal death. Wow. Yes. Now that's a high percentage. Absolutely. And that's why... This it's, is happening. Yes. And that's why I think a lot of these um, these changes with um, state reform and stuff like yeah. that are, are looking at this and what can we do. So when I, with my first son, I mean, he's almost three, mm -hmm. I didn't have that questionnaire at the pediatrician. Oh. My little one's almost seven months old. I've had it with every doctor's visit until he turned six Interesting. months. Interesting. Even such a short period of time, exactly. it's changing. So and changes glad. are happening, and they're moving in the right direction. That's so great. That's so great to hear. And I think it's important for the partners to be listening to this, too, because it's one thing to be in your own stuff, right, and not really being aware of maybe the slow decline mm -hmm. that's happening to you. But your partner's certainly going to be aware. They're going to see the distance. They're going to see maybe the 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 Eeyore walking around the house, right? That fog over our head right. when, when depression starts to set in. They might be way more aware, maybe even find out first, right? And when I see couples, it's interesting. I, I say the same thing with um, snoring or any type of sleep apnea. The partner's going to be the first one to see it. <laughs> Not the person who's sleeping, right. right? Not the actual person it's affecting. And I think this is kind of the same thing, right? The partner is maybe going to notice changes in their spouse, the sadness, lonely feeling, this helplessness, right, way before we would even notice it as the women, right, in this case, because we're just in the fog. Well, and it's funny you mentioned it as in the fog, because yes, that's true. There's there's almost like a, a caregiver burnout in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to hold it together mm -hmm. for them and be there for them, but but is it necessarily a fog or or is the other partner, um, you know, going through that, that postpartum um, 
situation it's as well. It's probably how it's missed, right? The other one's stepping up. Right. Now, um, you know, I uh, one in ten fathers experience postpartum depression. That's still very it, high. It doesn't account for the, the LGBTQIA mm-hmm. um, population, but okay. when we look at the, the, you know, the heterosexual couples, mm-hmm. you know, one in ten fathers. And... And well, is that reported? Is that the ones that are reported, or do we think I, I think all? these statistics are a little bit more shocking because not as much research is done yeah. on on the partner yeah. um, part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's more of a newer thing, and it's not talked about as much. No, it is definitely not. So, you know, I do have. Um, I I didn't want to read through this whole thing, but I have resources on, um, you know tips for for the other partner mm. when communicating with um you know the the mother um whether she's pregnant mm-hmm. or has had the baby to kind of help um and a big 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 part of that is communication and understanding yes you know have that open dialogue find out what's going on you know you don't have to be a superhero because mm-hmm. you're both experiencing this monumental you know change in your life that's true, and what we can do, kind of, um, when I post the YouTube, uh, the um, the anchor post for the podcast, we can absolutely put those resources down below. So oh, that yes. if anybody has, you know, this going on and they're really unsure or whether or not this fits their kind of criteria for their family, they can absolutely read about it, including the partners too, right? Yes, yeah, so sure I have included. those two. I'm going to give you two articles, Haley. Post um, one is that tips for the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, it does say fathers, but I, I believe on the form, but. It will relate to any partner um, Great. to some extent, I'm sure. And then the other one is um, some myths about, 10 myths about um, depression, anxiety, which is a wonderful resource as well. Big, big. I mean, look, Google is our friend, but not always. I mean, it can really just scare us to death, right? And then we think we just have everything. And I think when we're already anxious, we're already adjusting, we already don't know what to expect, now we're searching for problems. And we don't want that either. Google is not, not, <laughs> not a good resource for a lot of things um if you are going to be out there searching the web regardless you want to make sure you're looking for you know peer-reviewed articles Mm. studies that have been that are Mm -hmm. um you know quantitative and qualitative because you want to look at content how how many people have been studied what is the content of this study who's running the study um not just well google says that i you know i have diabetes because you know i ate a candy and I'm sweating you know you'll find all kinds of things on there though oh yeah that and Joe could... Schmo did not write this on the, on the side of the street right we don't want exactly that. <laughs> um what are some things to avoid if you are the person that is going through it or even the partner you know um advice for these people right um when a person is feeling this way right there are do's and there are definitely don'ts if we're going through this depression state we're feeling out of sorts what would we just want to avoid doing with our partners? You know, because we need to kind of look at both. Sometimes there are definitely things that can be helpful, and there are things that could absolutely tear us apart. And I think a lot with anxiety and depression, self-esteem goes down the drain. Absolutely. And, and we think this is so common sense, right? Like, please don't call me fat. Please don't do this and that. Mm-hmm. But we want to be clear about maybe what's going to not be helpful just as much as we want to look at what is helpful, right? What are things that, you know, um, we just want to avoid doing? For Absolutely. Going through this. Ask questions. Yeah. How are you feeling? Is there anything that I can do? Mm. Um, Isolation is not going to be our friend here. No. You know, have the dialogue. You know, if you're concerned, speak up. Say something. 
offered her, and this doesn't, this doesn't just apply to the, you know, the one carrying the baby, mm -hmm. you know, rub their back, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. sit, share something to drink, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, make that pot of coffee together, sit down for dinner, um, make time for each other, mm -hmm. reach out. The important thing to know is you're not alone, mm -hmm. you're not to blame, and it most definitely will get better. And there is a silver lining when we have that. And when we have depression, it's almost like it's a tunnel that keeps going and there's no light at the end. Right. If we see that people are, like you said, supportive, if you see that people around us are, you know, willing to help out and jump in when we need them to, we see the light, I think, a lot better for sure. Is this something that can happen during pregnancy? So we're talking about after birth, right? Can it happen while you're pregnant? Oh, right? this, are this... people really, their hormones, right? You're going crazy. This wouldn't surprise me. This starts, you know, perinatal mental health, when we look at this broad, broad but specific subject at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, it's specific to, you know, we're looking at babies and fertility and families, but it's, you know, broad in the fact that this affects, you know, just thinking about having a family, you know, the, the, the struggles to get pregnant, you know, fertil infertility, fertility, you know, pregnancy loss carrying a baby, carrying a baby after loss, mm -hmm. you know, labor and delivery, mm -hmm. you know, a, a one's ability or preference to breastfeed or not to breastfeed, the adjustment to being a mom or dad for the first time, second time, third time. I mean, it affects, you know, every, every baby changes the dynamic in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, and how many books are out there right now? I mean, there's just a ton, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to connect with you and your situation, right? And that's, I think, why counseling can be really helpful. And not everybody but, likes to read or has the time to read either. True. Thank God for these audio podcasts. Just saying. Woo -woo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to actually have somebody individualize a treatment plan for you can be really helpful in this case. Because exactly. everybody's going to be so different. And, you know, the important thing to remember, too, is, you know, I've shared a little bit about um, my experience and, you know, I, there's much more there, but it's my story. And, mm -hmm. and it's important to remember that my story is going to be very different from your story and the next person's story. It's nice to know there's other people out there that have experienced these things, mm -hmm. but it's also important to know that your story is worth being heard and understood and you deserve to be supported. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a counseling session, this environment is so therapeutic because you have that space where your voice is heard and you're respected. And when you when you have that right clinician that knows, you know, has either experienced it to some degree or has the knowledge to treat, the plethora of resources that they can provide, mm -hmm. even if they don't necessarily, uh, even if they're not the right fit, those resources you take with you, and there are a ton. I have learned so much um, from the Postpartum Support International, which mm -hmm. is, you know, who I took this um, certification training through, that there are so many resources that I didn't even grasp, you know? I mean, social media, um, even if you don't like to post, there's support there just from reading other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's pretty much a group for everything now, right? Especially on Facebook. There's just Absolutely. there's a group for everything, and I always say, join if you want to do something anonymously. They even have apps now. I the, mean, that the the being anonymous is huge for some people. You know, uh, yeah. I want to read, but I don't want to, mm -hmm. you know, necessarily contribute, or I don't want anybody to know what I'm going sure. through. They might think I'm I'm crazy or have psychosis. <laughs> when in reality, um, I'm going to throw one more statistic yeah, at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Let's because this postpartum um, psychosis can seem very scary. Mm -hmm. um, but one to two out of 1,000 people mm -hmm. are diagnosed with postpartum psychosis. It's not okay. as common sure. as depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, if we go back to Googling, the chances of it being postpartum psychosis or something really severe even if you're having these dark thoughts, you know, suicidal thoughts, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have something like that and you're going to be one of those people in the news that does something. But it is a sign to get help. Mm -hmm. Ask for help. Absolutely. Reach out. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of to the next level, right? We're looking at depression and anxiety being one thing. Psychosis is just to, to another level where it's looking at not only harming ourselves, harming the people around us, right? That's when we really need to get help. And that's where we need to seek out exactly. professional stuff. And, and if you are the one in a thousand that has postpartum psychosis, it is temporary. You know, mm -hmm. you get the help, you get the, the treatment, and the, when the symptoms subside, you know, you continue with, you know, your counseling and, and your, your therapeutic modalities that work for mm -hmm. you. But it doesn't mean that you're stuck in that psychosis forever. So, you know, again, that's where when I said you will get better, that's where that comes from. There is hope, right? I mean, look, hormones are crazy, as we talked about. It's just they control our lives as women and even men sometimes, right? If they're uh, progesterone, testosterone is in balance, forget it. We can be a mess. So we have to definitely be in tune with our bodies. And I always say women, listen to your bodies. Absolutely. Listen to your bodies. And advocate for your bodies. Men too. Men too. Listen. We, I think we know so much, but we're not listening, right? We're not mm -hmm. really being in tune as we should. And um, expressing it. Knowing well, it and expressing it are two different things. Advocating, 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 I yes. say. We have to learn how to do that. And it takes a lot of maturity. It takes some boldness and some even some boundaries, right. right? I think what I've noticed, like even hearing other people and myself, I go to doctors. I looked up to them. I think they've got all the answers, right? But they've maybe seen me for a half hour, 15 minutes, and maybe they don't know all about me. And I'm feeling off or I'm feeling like something's wrong. I need to be in tune with that, right? I need to maybe look more into that. And I think specifically during this stage, right, of pregnancy and childbirth, we have to really be in tune with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you mentioned hope. Mm -hmm. There is a reason my business is called Counseling Through Hope. Mm -hmm. You know, hope is is so critical. You know, when, when, you, when you feel like giving up, hope whispers try one more time. And that quote is so important to me and is so true. You know, don't give up on yourself mm -hmm. because there is a light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. You just have to find the right path to get there. Absolutely. And sometimes all it is is just picking up the phone and asking for help. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have to remember to do that. I think more and forgetting this whole idea and stigma that, you know, um, our mental health doesn't matter, but also that we have to have it all figured out all the time. It's just not the way that it is now. And I think asking for help can lead us to better resources, give us more information, and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, is there anything else that you feel like we should know about as far as, um, you know, what you've been studying? Um, you know, we look so much forward to hearing more about the certification and more of what it brings. Is there anything else that stuck out to you while, um, while studying as far as, you know, the, um, the perine 
perinatal mental health, postpartum. I mean, all of this stuff, guys, is so, so important. We maybe gloss over this. We just think it's those baby blues. We just think, if I can just get through the next three weeks, if it proceeds, we definitely need to do something about this, right? Reach out, call a counselor, get in touch with your primary care physician, and get help because we could be thinking this is just one bad day, but remember who it's affecting, right? It's affecting the partner. It's affecting your children that you might also have. It could be affecting your job. It could be affecting other aspects of your mental health. Absolutely. So I think it's really important. I think we covered the, the, the basis of, of that and what I wanted, you know, what I wanted to share. The gold standard, just as a, um, a heads up, mm-hmm. um, for treating, you know, postpartum depression and other um, perinatal mental health disorders is psychotherapy. You know, that's mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy, looking at the distorted thinking patterns, okay. um, you know, kind of um, rewiring those thoughts. Um, Interpersonal psychotherapy, you know, relationships, like look mm-hmm. at relationships, peer support, you know, reach out to the people that have been there, done it, group therapy. Um, I know there's, you know, a lot of, um, you know, when I say group therapy, finding groups to go to that they might be rare, but if you look um, using the, the wonderful resource of technology that we mm-hmm. have, you know, going one step further um, with the internet, you can find, you know, video groups, mm-hmm. chat groups podcasts for support Mm -hmm. um and then there's you know couples and family therapy if it's if if there's a bigger issue Mm -hmm. um the instinct is definitely to isolate i think right when this happens to us right i don't want to think i'm crazy i don't want other people to think i'm crazy if i talk about it it becomes real Mm. but you're struggling um and there's lots of assessment tools that that you know whether it's the doctor or a therapist that you know that they can go over with you and help you see okay i thought it was bad but you know, I can manage this, you know, and I have the help to do it. Mm-hmm. That's so wonderful. So get screened. If nothing else, get screened. It doesn't hurt. No. It absolutely not. doesn't hurt. Well, thank you so much for coming out and sharing more about what you do and how women and men can be mindful of this and maybe what they can do about it, right? Going that extra step if necessary. Um, I think awareness is without a doubt, the most important thing here, right? Just being aware, being aware of your body, being aware of our families. And, you know, um, it's just so important to be in tune with ourselves more, I think, than we have been. So Kathy can be reached at her website for more information at www.counselingthroughhopellc.com, where you can call her to schedule an appointment if need be um, and check out more about her services. Thank you guys all so much for listening. And don't forget to check out my next podcast, One Life, next month where I will be revealing our next speaker. Happy Valentine's month to you all. Thank you again, Kathy. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful.